Welcome to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Because you want their brains also to stop getting flooded with all that cortisol, right? Let's think about something else. Let's distract them. Let's get grounded in what's really going on instead of all caught up in our head. Thanks for joining us. This is so, so exciting. Oh my gosh, Dr. Green Russell, it is so good to see you. How long has it been? Months, right? Since we talked? Um, Yeah, months since the last podcast, but you know, it never feels like that long. No, it does. And I know because every time I have a guest, I just feel like we're kindred spirits by the end. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's well, because you have a sparkling personality. Oh my gosh. I just love you. All right. So for those who are listening, all right, Noreen, why don't you introduce yourself for any of those following me that might not know who you are? So go ahead. Sure. I'm Noreen Russell. And um, probably the most important thing this evening is that I am the founder and the director of Russell Coaching for Students which is probably the largest coaching practice in the country. And we specialize in atypical kids. So kids who have ADHD, kids who have autism, kids who have anxiety. And as you know, most kids have more than one thing. So they've got one of the A's, two of the A's, three of the A's, or they've got one of the A's and a learning disability. So this is what we do. Um, And we have 23 coaches and we work by Zoom across the country. And we help kids develop three things. One, executive functioning skills, planning, prioritizing, time management. Two, learning and study skills. And three, social and emotional skills. Huge. Absolutely huge. Love it. Love it. Um, Love it. So yes, we have Dr. Noreen Russell with us and she just published a book. What's the name of your book that you gave to my PTA president and I? Thank you so much. Yes. Asking the right questions about ADHD before, during, and after your child's diagnosis. And let me tell you why, right? Because nobody tells us when you get an ADHD diagnosis, and both my kids have ADHD, that you are going to have to be such a strong advocate, and you are going to have to be so knowledgeable in a way that you don't have to with some other things. And so the book is really a compilation of all the questions that you should be asking at school, to the pediatrician, to the psychiatrist, to the therapist, to the coach. Um, And so it is not a, you know, 900 page explanation of ADHD. It is a very practical, hands-on book that says, parents, this is what you need to know in order to be a great advocate for your child. And you got those questions from parents. Yes, you did. You told me, right? That was like, here's all the questions people keep asking and asking and asking. And so let's put it together. So it's just like a one-stop shop for parents. And I just, I love that. Yeah. Love, love, love that. Okay, so let's start. Okay, so anybody who is following you that doesn't know who I am, I am Dr. Karin Jakubowski, the principal uh, at North Star Elementary School here in Delaware, a national blue ribbon school, one of the top 20 elementary schools in the country. Yes, and two years ago, can you believe it's been two years, Doreen? Two years ago, gosh, time flies. I started a podcast called Momnificent. 
every time I say it, it just makes me smile because moms, you are magnificent and more and work so hard. And, um, and we're just here to encourage you, lift you up. And we came together and recently I had a ton of questions come in around ADHD. So I was like, Noreen, you got to jump on a live Instagram. And I'm like, did you ever do live? And she's like, no. And I'm like, oh my gosh, neither have I. <laughs> and here we are finding it. We did it. Girl strong. Um, all right. So Noreen, let's just dive right in. Okay. Um, so here's one question that came in. Your child, so your child has ADHD and maybe a parent is actually struggling with it themselves. So their, their kid has it, they have it. What do you do when you as the parent are overwhelmed, you as the parent are overstimulated by your child's behaviors? Talk us through that. Okay. So this is actually pretty easy. And what I want parents to think about is we're going to talk about interventions in the moment, right? Like you're there, you're at Six Flags, you're at Bush Gardens, you're at the zoo, and everyone is overwhelmed, right? And we're going to talk about preventions. How do you not get in that situation when you're at Six Flags or the zoo or Chuck E. Cheese or whatever? So first things first, interventions. You're at that moment, right? Everyone is having a meltdown, yourself included. First, you got to stop and say to yourself, girlfriend, you're doing a great job. You are doing a great job right? Because what we know about emotional regulation is that the words that we use to talk to ourselves have such a healing and calming effect, right? So got to stop. We got to say, Noreen, this feels like you're not doing a good job because things are not going the way you want them to go. But actually, you're doing a great job and you are doing an amazing job. And that's what you need to be thinking about right now. And you tried to go to Bush Gardens and you took six kids to Bush Gardens, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the first part of your intervention. The second part of your intervention when you're in that moment is you've got to get some space, okay? Mm -hmm. So whether it's, you know, the whoever else is with you, a co-parent, a friend, you've got to get some space. I am famous in Tampa for saying in my parenting presentations, go to the bathroom and go to the bathroom for quite some time, right? So go to the bathroom. But not breathe with your kid. No, no, no. But but what if you're what if you can't give your kid to someone to go to the bathroom? Okay, but you're so saying that, if you're with people and you can, if, if there's a way for you to leave your kid, you go to the bathroom, take them. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're with your kid and you happen to be, you know, just the two of us or you've got, you know, right. two kids with you, in you can take them to the bathroom, tell them to go in the stalls, right? Okay. And go in your own stall, right? And kind of keep an eye on them, but at least have some physical space from them which will allow your brain to stop releasing all that cortisol, okay? So you got to have some space. You know what else I love about the bathroom? What? Is go wash your hands, right? Go wash your hands. Get some blood flowing, right, in your veins. If you're really hot, you know, use some nice cool water. Calm yourself down. If you're really cold and chilly, use some warm water, right? Use that sensation that feels so good of the water on your hands. Maybe you're someone who even loves to wash your hands, right? Use that physical sensation to ground yourself, 
There are so many other great grounding techniques. Uh, One that's really common right now that a lot of people are using is the five senses, right? So five things you see, four things you hear, three things you smell, two things you can touch, one thing you can hear. I don't know. Am I repeating a sense? Oh, this Um, is so good. No, this is so good. I remember when you said this. I love that. And yeah. you, you were, was that you, you were even saying like right now, like even if you and I were having a moment, if I just look at the corner of a room, just finding the place, wasn't that you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. that's so good. The senses. Okay. So like five yeah. things you see, four things you hear. What do you notice? Like, what do you feel? What do you, what do you notice? What your feet, your, right? Your hands. Exactly. Exactly. And, and what does that do? Well, it grounds you back in what's happening right now. It distracts your brain from whatever was happening before, which is some out of control symptoms, okay, right? So like where you're it, like dysregulated, totally emotionally high and all out, like way out, right? right okay. Right. And I don't want parents to worry if there's something that goes with the five. You can do five things you can touch, five things you can hear, five things you can smell. Don't worry in the moment. Just do five of one of the senses, four of the next one. You know, don't don't put further expectations on yourself to be highly perfectionistic and remember this in a certain order. Love the other thing that I love about this is if you are in a quiet area, like a sensory room or the bathroom, you can do this with your kids, right? Like, okay, mom has to calm down. I'm sorry. I am just overwhelmed. It has been a long day. I'm not being the kind of person I want to be. I'm not being the parent I want to be. So we're going to do a little trick that I read about. We're going to talk about five things that we can see right now in the bathroom. So you say this to your kids. Oh, yeah. You say this out loud. That's okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I love it. Keep going. Yeah. Because you want their brains also to stop getting flooded with all that cortisol, right? Let's think about something else. Let's distract them. Let's get grounded in what's really going on instead of all caught up in our head. Um, So maybe ask them, like, tell me something you can see right now. Like something like that. What are you smelling? Yeah. Like do that with them and do it collaboratively. Okay. Right. Like we're all going to say one thing we see, we're all going to say one thing we hear, right? Cause you have to participate in this too. Cause your question to me, right. Was what happens when you're dysregulated? Right. right? Um, and so we're not going to say to you when you're dysregulated, let's go and do more with your kids, right? You're going to try to work collaboratively, right? And everyone says, one thing that they can smell, one thing that they can touch. If you're in the bathroom, I guarantee you're going to crack up before this exercise is over because somebody is going to go, I smell pee, right? (laughs) And Right? Yes. <laughs> right? I mean, of course. And last, oh my God, you're going is... to start texting us what they saw. Oh, well, <laughs> what they yeah. heard. What they, yeah. No, this is good. This is good. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Laughter is so good for our souls, right? Well, and um, it's a pattern interrupt. They say if yeah. you can interrupt the pattern, it'll shift them from their focus of whatever the meltdown was or whatever the crying. And that's, that is a pattern interrupt. Yeah. You, they yeah. didn't, they, they had no idea you were going to go there. No, absolutely. So after you do that grounding exercise, then you're going to have a conversation and say, guys, I know that we are so super excited to be at Chuck E. Cheese. I have to say I'm less super excited to be at Chuck E. Cheese than I was three hours ago. And so I probably can be at Chuck E. Cheese for another 15 minutes. And so at 3.30, we're going to leave Chuck E. Cheese. 
You don't say, okay, is that okay? Does everyone want to leave at 3.30? You're just going to gently, quietly, calmly say, I can be at Chuck E. Cheese for another 15 minutes, and at 3.30, we, we're going to leave. And you then use those I statements. Yeah. Yep. Love exactly. Love yeah. that. Okay. Because so many times we do like, oh, but my kid, like we do so many things around our kids, right? But you're saying, wait a second, parent. You say, you take control and you share what you're able to do and that's what you're going with. Yeah. Because well, sometimes I bet as parents, we sit there and we're like, oh, I'm not feeling comfortable, but I'll do it for my kids, right? And then we like elongate it for them where in reality, we're not taking care of ourselves first, which is kind of what I hear you saying, right? Yes, exactly. And you know, with kids with ADHD, our most important role as parents is to model emotional self-regulation, okay? Which is what and you're so, doing in that moment when you say, I have this much ability and time to do this, and this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Most important role as parents of kids with ADHD is to model emotional self-regulation. And it's really hard because ADHD kids can trigger us every minute of the day. Be ready for, for some preventions, right? We don't want to always get to the point where we're in the bathroom, you know, right. having a meltdown, right? Yeah. So yeah. if um, you know that in general, your kids can do an hour at the theme park, you're going to set that expectation. We're going to go to the theme park for an hour. If you know that your kid needs to eat every 45 minutes in order to maintain their status quo, you're going to arrange that, right? Like, yeah. and so we're going to think ahead and not just walk out the door and say, oh, we're going to the zoo today, right? You're going to think about what do I need as a mom? What do my kids need to be able to emotionally self-regulate? You're going to prepare and plan that. And then you're going to walk the kids through that. So we're off to the zoo for you know, probably about three hours. I have these snacks for you. It'll be really important for us to take three breaks while we're there. And I think we're going to have an amazing time. We're going to have a great time. And I'm so excited we're doing this today. Let's go to our next question. How do you think that kids with ADHD can learn to listen without meds? This is a million dollar question. Oh, it's a million dollar question. And you know, I made notes so I would be prepared um, <laughs> for your audience. And really what I want to say to people with all respect and empathy is possibly slowly over years. What we actually need to change that question to is how can we as parents teach ourselves to listen to our ADHD kids? Oh, oh. I know. Oh. Okay. That's, that's really good. Um, you, you turned that around, that one around on us. Yeah. How is how we as parents can really listen to our kids? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're constantly trying to get our kids to listen to us. Yeah. Like, you need to clean your bedroom. You need to get your homework done. You need to brush your teeth. Right. I mean, this is what I sound like at my house. Right. right. This is we're leaving. We got a schedule. We got to get places. We got to do things like everything oh. is moving forward a million miles a minute. Right. Right. So we have to totally turn that on its head and say, how can we as parents listen to our kids, right? And so when our kids don't listen to us in those situations, they're basically telling us their brain is in overdrive and they can't, you know, they can't remember five things. And so that's what we need to listen to. It's not that they won't, it's that they can't. 
So what do we do? Okay. So let's go back to basics. First, one thing at a time. If you know that you're in that beautiful stage of latency, like late elementary school, and your kid is on it, right, you might get to three or four things. Cherish the moment, right? Because as soon as those puberty hormones hit, you're not even going to have one thing that they can remember. Um, So one thing at a time until they can regularly do one thing at a time, then move to two things at a time, and then be prepared for adolescence and for them to be in all reality, sort of functioning at a toddler level of working memory and processing speed. So why does it seem like they go backwards? Like you start with one thing when you're a kid and then you build things to steps so they can do multi-step directions. But you're saying now like, scale back? Come on. Right? Well, I know. Like we didn't design the brain though. What happens in the uh, brain during uh. puberty is that all of that emotional stuff ramps up first, okay? The amygdala okay. gets like activated the hippocampus gets activated the fight or flight you know gets activated right now maybe and i don't know you know maybe if you or i were designing brain development these days like if we got to like redo the whole thing we might right right let's become neuroscientists (laughs) and do that we might not have that happen first and then the frontal lobe kind of check back in, we might have the frontal lobe develop first and then have all the emotional impulsivity develop. I mean, personally, I think that makes sense, but for whatever reason, um, it's not wired that way. And so, okay. So if you're frustrated, go back to one step that you're telling your kid to do one step. Okay. Second piece of this written list, do not verbally engage with your child on everything they have to remember. If there's a list of things that they need for soccer, make the list, hang it up on the door, hang it up on their bathroom mirror, hang it up wherever it needs to be. And then, you know, when it's time to leave, point to the list and say, are you ready to go? Right. Do not engage in all of that. Do you have this? And do you have this? And do you have this? And do you have this? Because it makes us tired and it makes them crabby. Okay. Third. Yeah. Use your phone to text. Text your child and say, hey, I just want to remind you that we need to leave in 45 minutes for your therapy appointment. And I'm going to expect that your teeth are clean and that your hands are clean and that you have a shirt on. When did you come up with this idea? This is great. I love this because often (laughs) I'm like running in and out of the house, right? So I'm not always home, like, you know, because I have an office, right? But I'm like, okay, I got to run home, pick this one up. But he's got to be ready, right? Like you got to have your water, you got to have a clean T-shirt on, and we got to be ready to go out the door. I can't come home and spend forty-five minutes transitioning. Number one, number two, number three. Wait, how old are your kids again that you do this with? Oh, thirteen and fourteen and a half. 13. And and there is just it, it's all hormones. It's Wait, just do, all well, hormones. Don't, don't they ever get upset with you and they're like, "Mom, quit texting me"? Um, or they're just kind of you know, okay with I, that. Like, I just am like super dry about it. I'm like. Type C to confirm, like the hair salon does. <laughs> That's awesome. I love but, it. <laughs> and they and do my it. Son, my son, who's kind of into the military, will be like, copy. My, oh, yeah. Okay, Ro- Roger that. Roger. Well, how long, have you, how long have you been doing this with your oh, kids? Like years. That? Years. Because for a long time. Oh, yeah. For a long time, I worked in the evening, right? And so I wasn't always home in the evening. And so I would text them things I wanted them to know or text them things that they had to get ready or whatever. And, you know, I don't really make a big deal out of it. I'm like, you know, remember that your lunchbox needs to get cleaned out. 
Please type C to confirm. Right. You probably have all things copied in your notes and you just like <laughs> send it over. But what I love about it, right, is yeah. that our ADHD kids can be so prone to self-blame, to self-criticism. It's so easy to get into conflict all the time. And when you're texting, right? It removes and your emotion. Right, right. We think, think of texting as bad, right? You're going to well, miscommunicate. But if, yeah. it's, if it's like this, where you're just basically saying, this needs to get done, and I will be there at 345, and this is what you need to have done, then you're not really opening the door for negativity, you know? It's just pure communication of information. And your kid, you know what? I have to say this. Both my kids like not being verbally reminded. Interesting. Well, because we don't, they don't, we, we don't sound like the pest because they're just reading it and it's coming across in their voice too. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is so interesting. Okay. You got another one or can we go to the next okay, question? Last one. Last, last one. Number four. Get a whiteboard for their room. Okay. In their and bedroom? In their bedroom. Okay. Yes. Okay, of course. Tell, all right. Tell me more. Okay. So in our coaching practice, every single child that we work with and we work with, you know, upper elementary through okay. college, they are all required to have a whiteboard hanging in their room. Now they use them differently, okay. right? Yeah. Some kids have inspirational messages up there. Some okay. kids have the three most important things I need to do this week or, you know, my most important goal or whatever. But again, it's an easy way to make sure that there's a visual display of information without you nagging. I just spoke actually at the International Dyslexia Association um, down in Dallas. And, you know, so I felt like I had to kind of brush up because I'm not an expert in dyslexia. But what I've learned is that that visual display of information and not just the auditory is so helpful for everyone, but everyone. especially for everyone, I, right? Well, you know but so at school the other day, there was this kid, oh my gosh, and he like grabbed this other kid and they were horsing around and I was just standing and they didn't see me and then they turned around and I literally like, like gave them like the evil eye, like, you know better. And you know what they said back to me? They actually whispered it because, because there was people around, they actually whispered back, I'm sorry, but I didn't have to yell. I didn't have to use words. I literally just used like those nonverbal cues in a sense, like a picture mm -hmm. and they got it. They, they got it. It got it so clear. So anyway, that's another example. You don't always have to like verbally. No. Usually talk get some more upset anyway. What's we that? Talk, we talk way too much to our kids. And you know, the other thing we do is we expect them to respond like adults, right? So I've watched parents with their kids and they'll be like, okay, so Mason, this is why you're going to have a coach. You're going to have a coach because I'm tired of nagging you about school. And the coach is the professional and she's going to really help you. And so we think this is going to be really good for you. And you said you were open to help. And so we're going to get you a coach. And they get that like blank stare, right, of the middle school or high school. So they keep going, right? Because they have this irrational expectation that at some point, Mason, their 15-year-old is going to go, gosh, mom, that is so thoughtful and kind Thank of you. you. And I... I really appreciate that you're going to get me a coach, right? And so Why did we think of this earlier? Right? I say to parents, say it once and leave the room. Like, do not expect that this is going to be a dialogue. Do not wait for them to say something. Their processing speed is slow during adolescence. Let them chomp away on it. In two days, say, hey, so, 
you know, I think we're going to be ready to start with the coach next week. Leave the room. Wow. Okay. Not everything has to be over-explained, over-dialogued. You know, you're not always going to have their buy-in. That's okay, right? Right. Um, You know, but we have to understand that the adolescent brain, the processing is slow. And we don't want to invite that impulsive emotional reaction by standing there and repeating ourselves three times. I mean, Karin, if you repeated yourself to me three times, I'd be like, I'm not coming on your show again. Noreen, (laughs) number one. (laughs) Right, because you feel like an idiot. Yes. You feel like. Yes, you do. I'm stupid. Right. And it's like, it's like those, those subtle cues that we're giving them without even saying it. And then they're translating all of this on top of the overload, 100 mile an hour racing brain that their brains are doing. All right. So. ADHD, whether you can learn to listen without your meds, really the question is, as a parent, how can we be, but, so give me one more example of how, how a parent right now listening could start listening better to their kids. What would you say? Right. So I would say talk less first and foremost, like don't repeat things, talk less, right? And then check for understanding. So An hour ago, I asked you to empty the dishwasher. I just want to make sure you understand that when I asked you to do that, I gave you a deadline of 4 p.m. What's your understanding of what you need to do between now and 4 p.m.? I don't know, right, because she's inattentive. Did you say something? Yeah, I I sure did. I sure did. I asked you to empty the dishwasher by 4 p.m. Tell me what you just heard. Duh, of course I heard you, right? But we know that that repetition, right, and the verbal restating of it kind of also increases the goal commitment, you know? And so every moment that you need to stop and check for understanding, like, do you get what we're going to do next? Do you get how homework is going to go this week, right? Do you get why we have to study for the AP final? Yeah, because they understand why that helps them in doing right stop telling them why ask them to tell you why because then they have to think and respond and then you know you you have their attention or not so someone's saying right now my kid would say so what i don't want to i'm doing x y and z now how do you handle that yeah so i totally get that you are playing Roblox on your tablet, and that is really fun. And honestly, if I were 12, I'd much rather be playing Roblox than emptying the dishwasher, so I get that. But all of us as human beings on the face of the planet also have jobs and responsibilities. So as long as the dishwasher is emptied by four, you can have your tablet this evening. And then you know what? What am I gonna say? And then leave the room. I did that video recently. I was like, mute yourself, mute yourself. Oh, yeah. Stop talking. Yeah. Can we please talk about the first question? Because it's so vitally important. Go for and it. we already have such a mental health crisis in this country. Tell, tell, I have all the questions written in different orders than I gave you. So tell the audience our question that you're going to answer. Okay. So I didn't write the question down because, oh, you, you know, I'm not in and right, yeah, but it was something along the lines of what do I do when my child feels badly about themselves when, you know, their self-esteem is suffering because of ADHD? Yes. yes. When your child has ADHD and their self-esteem suffers when they're struggling. Yes. Okay. First and foremost, 
you've got to explain, no matter whether they're 6 or 16, how does their brain work, right? Enough with the, oh, these are your vitamins, or, well, you know, this is your superpower, right? Explain how their brain works. Find a great YouTube video, right? Find a TikTok video. Ask them to find a TikTok video about ADHD, right? I mean, come on. Like, yeah. like you and I have time to be looking for TikTok videos? No, go tell them. Find a TikTok video, right? Yeah. But we have to educate them about how their brain works. If your child was diagnosed with cancer or diabetes, wouldn't you educate them? Yeah, you would find out everything there is about it. And you would tell them, yeah. you know, this is when your blood sugar is going to peak. This is when your blood sugar is going to fall, right? I what mean, we do. This right. is what we do to help. This is what harms. Right. You know, we don't ignore it. Right. right. So we have to openly say, you know, this is how most people's brains with ADHD work. And this is what you can expect. And this is really not a failure of your willpower or your character or your personality, right? You're going to yeah. have some times when you are hyperactive, impulsive, out of control. That's just, you know, the nature of ADHD. Right. So it doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. It doesn't mean, yeah, all that spiral down negativity, right? Right, right. So that's one. Two, two, differentiate for yourself between behaviors and symptoms. You know I'm always on this kick when I talk, right? We call these things behaviors. Yeah. You know what a behavior is, right? Like what? A behavior is... I picked out my earrings today, right? A behavior is I decided to put lip gloss on to come on Instagram Live, right? A behavior is I decided to take a nap, right? We don't, when someone has an epileptic seizure, we don't say, oh, yeah, we really need to reduce that behavior. Okay. So behavior is not angry, sad? Well, symptoms of ADHD are inability to focus, right? Yeah. Hyperactivity yeah. and impulsivity. Those are not behaviors. Those are symptoms. And so okay. when we change our mindset from this child is choosing to behave like this to my child is suffering with symptoms right now, then we can approach it from a more empathic point of view. Does that make yes. sense? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Three, praise specific actions. Okay. Praise specific actions. Like, okay? like, I loved the fact that you didn't know where the Tupperware went when you were emptying the dishwasher and you came and asked me. Right? Instead of saying what? Instead of saying, well, I didn't know, so I just left it in the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, you mean instead of us saying what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of us, what's the opposite of being specific there? Well, you know, we, we say these things like, you're so beautiful, you're so smart, like, you're so kind, right? But those sorts of global feedback statements don't really ring true for kids, and they don't really feel that, and right. it's not helpful. Right, even like for you know, one and you're not the other. Right, right. Well, and you're not telling them exactly what it is that they, they know specifically what you're talking about. Right. So when you right. say wow, you really took your time to carefully write your homework today. I really noticed that. They know, oh, wow, like that's specific. I took my time. I slowed down. I, was, I did, did it neatly. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally love that. Yes. And your emotionality level has mm -hmm. to get ramped up to get their attention. Mm -hmm. Woo! You know? 
and I'm like the most quiet, introverted person. But if I need to get, yeah, right. I know. No, I really am. I really, I know. Nobody ever believes me, but I really I am. Um, I know. I know. Okay. We'll talk about it some other time. Okay, fine. But fine. when I'm around kids with ADHD. I meet them at their energy level, right? And we know that it's hard for them to focus. And so I need to be bigger than my usual personality. Okay, another point here, and then I'm gonna finish up. Okay. Make a list of your child's strengths and post them on your bathroom mirror, okay? Why? First of all, so you remember them when they're driving you crazy, okay? There's a visual for you, right? Visual cues are so very important. Second, at some point, they're going to see it, and they're going to be touched, right? And if you're co-parenting in the same house, your co-parent is going to see it. And you know who else is going to see it? Their siblings. Tend to remember the bad more. And this, of course we do. This helps put it right in the forefront of our face. Like, here are the really great things about your kid when right. they're really ticking you off. And your kid might even go and make their own list and keep it. Of themselves. That'd I, be love so that. I love that. I love that. Right now at my house, this is what I'm ending every day with. My 14 and a half year old is the most sensitive person on the face of the planet. He thinks everything is his fault. He has very low self-esteem. He's anxious about everything. And I will say to him at the end of the day, buddy, you are doing such a great job at being 14 and a half. And being 14 and a half is so hard. And today you rocked it. Yeah. It was a hard day, and there were times when you felt really bad, and there were times when I lost my patience. But honestly, you are doing a great job being 14 and a half, and you're not going to be 14 and a half forever. And so I love you. Sleep well. Oh, my gosh. Wish we could have just, like, recorded that. That was so beautiful. So everyone listening, stay tuned and uh, watch our Instagram feeds because we'll give you the update when our next call is going to be at uh, – yeah, this was so much fun. I love you. I'm sending like a hug through the <laughs> through the screen. Oh, I love chatting with you. I really do. Thank you for inviting oh me. Such an honor. So fun to talk with you, but also so important and meaningful to have these conversations. So I yes. thank you for that. Yes, thank you so much. And I know all the parents listening with these questions, now that I can answer them and, and if they weren't able to capture it, I'm going to find a way to get it back to them. So yeah, that's huge. Thank you. And well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.